This episode is brought to you by VH1's RuPaul's Drag Race, Vegas Review. RuPaul is opening a live Las Vegas residency. Go behind the queens as six of the most sensational drag race superstars put on the show of a lifetime. It's Viva Yas Vegas on RuPaul's Drag Race, Vegas Review. New series premieres Friday, August 21st, 8, 7 central, only on VH1. This is a weekly pop culture podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kate Hallowell. And I'm Amelia Wedemeyer. And today we are talking about the WAP music video. <laughs> Cringe mode safe haven. Kill me now. Stuff. And Orlando Bloom's chanting practices. And we also, uh, Kaya is not here, but happy for her. Uh, but... <laughs> No, no, like like vacation, yeah, yay! Yeah, yeah. But uh, Bobby Wagner is here, yay! Woo-hoo! And he will be joining us for some discussion. Bobby, good, is, good yeah. day, good day really to have a man day. on the podcast. Yes, considering what we're starting with. <laughs> I know I'm avoiding it. We should just keep talking about other things. But okay, first things first, we're checking in with the WAP discourse. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, I would consider Googling it first before we start talking about it because I'm not going to explicitly say what it means or what it is. But basically, it's um, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion new single and music video that dropped this week. Everybody's talking about it. Very raunchy and risque. And I'm like blushing just thinking about it. Um, but we're going to talk about like all the discussion surrounding it. But if you absolutely need to just Urban Dictionary what WAP is. Did I do that okay? That's fair, right? Just I'm Google it. I'm disappointed. Honestly, <laughs> Liz Liz got to the outline last this week and I assigned her explaining WAP in a PG-13 manner because our you parents listen to this can't. podcast. You simply can't. You just can't, really can't. describe what it acronym. is. It's an acronym. Should we say that? It's an yes. acronym. It's a celebration of female sexuality. And anatomy. And so, of course, and anatomy, very specifically. And it's made a lot of people mad for that reason, basically. Yes, it has. So, Kate, the main reason why people are mad are basically the cameos that came from that. Do you want to talk a little bit about who's here and why people are upset? So that was the first backlash. We've had waves of WAP backlash. Um, The first backlash was because there are several cameos in this video. It's very over the top. It's Cardi and Meg just like strutting through this mansion, dancing, twerking. There are tigers. There are lions. There are, I don't know, oh my. Cobras and and snakes and all that, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And there's also Kylie Jenner. And several other cameos. So I think the problem is that Kylie went first. They're singing the song. They're rapping. It's this really high energy thing. And then all of a sudden the music stops. And you see this woman walking down the hallway from behind. She's in this like long cheetah print dress. She turns around and it's Kylie Jenner. And I think it's just like it goes from this high energy song. These like really like impressive dancers to Kylie Jenner walking. And it just really sucks the energy out for about 15 seconds. It does. And Rachel Lindsay on the Higher Learning podcast this week put it really well. Um, Her and Van Lathan talked about it this week too. It's the fact that the music stops. It's this grand entrance. They pay so much attention. It's like this ginormous spotlight of all the amazing, talented women in this music video, including Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, to silence the music and put that spotlight on Kylie Jenner feels really dumb, honestly. So that is where obviously people were really pissed. There's, um, Bobby, how many people signed that petition to get Kylie Jenner off that music video? 
Is it last time I checked? Unfortunately, it was at sixty nine thousand. Hate that I have to say that, but I have to be accurate. (laughs) Chef's kiss. Um, That is what it's at. I checked this morning as well. Yeah. So obviously, Cardi B is feeling very defensive because she's facing a lot of backlash. Like, why the hell would you put Kylie Jenner of all these people um, in this music video? I saw a tweet from a woman named Danielle Young, and she said. Normani did all this and Kylie walked down the hall and opened a door. If that's not a perfect visual indication <laughs> of black women having to do the most and white women do the bare minimum to get somewhere, I don't know what is. I think it's painful that it's Kylie too. Like she is notorious for just not working for anything <laughs> at all. Um, but anyway, the backstory behind this is that I guess Offset, um, who's Cardi B's husband, and then Travis Scott, who's obviously Kylie's on and off again partner, um, are very close. And then I guess Kylie Jenner um, at a stormy birthday party was very kind to Cardi B's sister and Cardi B's um, daughter culture. So there's like a lot of, you know, I guess positive family history behind it. However, I don't think that's reason enough to include her in a music video. But yeah, that's the story. Right. And I think a lot of it was like, there are just all these other really talented people that they decided to like lift up in these cameos Mm -hmm. like Normani like they said dances and Cardi had a good point she was like Normani's a great dancer of course I want Normani to dance like Kylie Jenner is a model so she's walking down a hallway (laughs) like I was like okay yeah but yeah great but you know what I mean like you're not gonna have like Kylie twerking in a room like that would have been way worse so Normani who we love on this podcast um was all these cameos were like filmed in front of a green screen there was this really funny video of Cardi like hyping up Normani which I think is part of why a lot of people have really liked this this sort of single and all of the stuff surrounding it is because it's just like women hyping up other women and Cardi's like motivation like singing (laughs) over and over again while Normani's dancing and it's really funny. Um, also, Rosalia's in it, uh, Mulatto, Sukihana, and Ruby Rose, but not Batwoman, the Ruby Rose with an I, um, who's someone oh, else. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, she very clearly like picked these musicians and like these other women to like, you know, feature in this video. And then it was like, okay, Kylie Jenner, like, yeah. does she need this? No. She said, I wanted a lot of different females, not just female rappers. I wanted a lot of different people. These are girls that I personally like, blah, blah. That's why there's variety. Regardless, maybe pick a different. I would rather yeah. even have Kendall I, or or Courtney or <laughs> well, Chloe, like anyone but Kylie. I know. I, yeah. I do think that it drummed up a lot of news coverage that she was there, and she right. obviously has a rabid fan base, and so I think they definitely use that to their advantage. So that was totally, smart. totally. And actually, speaking of that. There, the multiple waves of backlash have really extended the shelf life of this conversation. And like normally this dropped last Friday. Normally we wouldn't be talking about something that dropped the week before on this mm-hmm. podcast, but we are because people are still talking about it. And that's because there was another wave of backlash from conservative Republicans um, of who just <laughs> had to get in on the WAP discourse. Um, <laughs> we don't need to really get into specifics. They were just trolling, basically, as they do. Uh, one standout was uh, James P. Bradley, who was the first first one to really delve into this space. Um, and he tweeted and said, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion are what happens when children are raised without God and without a strong father figure. Wait for it. Their new song, The WAP, which I heard accidentally. Oh, Made me want to pour holy water in my ears. And I feel sorry for future girls if this is their role model. I, too, 
uh, watched it accidentally about 10 times, heard it Me accidentally, well. haven't seen Yesterday, it accidentally today. for a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh so God. like Ben Shapiro talked about it. He, he just oh, gave a spectacular self own when he was tweeting about how his doctor wife is like, <laughs> if any of these descriptions apply to your anatomy, something is wrong, go to the doctor. And everyone was like, you and your wife need to go to sexual counseling because that is not the case. <laughs> so it just, there was just a lot of very silly things being said. A lot of angry white men, which is honestly yeah. like how you know they did something right. <laughs> and Amelia, you were saying that even like gynecologists came out and refuted even that dumbass Ben Shapiro claim, right? Yes, there was a a gynecologist named Dr. Daniel Grossman who is an OBGYN and public health researcher at the University of San Francisco or California, San Francisco. And he said, in my medical opinion, it's normal, important even for women to have a WAP. So there, <laughs> screw you, Ben Shapiro. I think Volter also um, interviewed a gynecologist. There's a lot of OBGYNs coming out of the woodwork, which is awesome. Just Great. put them in the news more, yeah, honestly. Exactly. Don't shame these women. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then also, <laughs> sorry, I just want to say yeah. that uh, just a little side note, uh, OnlyFans side note, uh, Cardi B joined OnlyFans and you're thinking, oh my God, wow, what kind of content is she going to share? Well, guess what? It's just behind the scenes WAP stuff, which I is would, fine. I mean, that's I w- great. I want to see it. She, she could uh, have a booming career on OnlyFans, truly. I mean, she yeah. really could. She's made for it. She's so good at social media, just in she general. Oh every my reaction, God. every like she's been tweeting at fans, like retweeting things, just being so funny. And yes. it's just been a great week for her. She's yeah. so good at this. It really has. It's been a great couple years, great quarantine. I feel like every time we talk about her, she's just absolutely ruling the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, Google it. Watch the music video. It's really, yeah. really fun. Mom, really maybe good. don't. Yeah. Everyone yeah. else can. <laughs> Okay, moving on happily. Let's do this week in social media slash not worth the tea slash relationship news. We have yet to rename this category, but it is coming at some point. So let's do a munch podge. Amelia, you go first. Um, Okay, so Catherine Schwarzenegger and Chris Pratt just had their child um, and her name is Lila Maria Schwarzenegger Pratt. And, you know, they shared a little Instagram of her. Chris was he was really on a roll. He had two Bible quotes, not one, two. So that's thrilling. Really fitting him in there. I yeah. love that you can always tell when we get like 15 minutes before this podcast, not even 15, like an hour, and something <laughs> isn't taken on the outline that we've had in there, just like waiting for someone else to yeah. take. And this week, that was the Schwarzenegger prep, baby. <laughs> it's yes, survival it of the was. fittest. You got to wait it out. All of you so, can sweat yeah. it out. I was Thanks, not Amelia. this one. Hey, anytime. Team. But I think you guys will want to talk about this next one because even though Cats, the movie, and the phenomenon is far over, um, it's Mm. back in the news because Jason Derulo (laughs) refuses to quit the spotlight and refuses to stop grabbing attention. And he was interviewed um, by The Telegraph this week. And he he did an interview about Cats, which I'm just honestly not sure why, but congrats (laughs) because there's a lot of good quotes in here. Um, Okay, here's what he said. Cats checked all the boxes. You can't oh. get a more star-studded cast. You can't get a more respected director, blah, blah. And Rum Tongue Tugger is a legacy <laughs> role, a standout character in a classic musical. This was him describing like why he chose this as his acting debut, which yes. is honestly a fucking mystery. <laughs> but yes, I guess Rum Tongue Tugger just absolutely just tugged at his heartstrings and he had to be in it. And then he said he was initially optimistic about the film's success. So sorry to him. And he said, yeah. once I saw the trailer, I got chills down my spine. He said, I thought it was going to change the world. 
Thoughts? You're wrong. You're wrong. Yes. <laughs> to be so optimistic about that movie, having seen it now, is unbelievable. Yeah. It's not even like anyone was like, oh, this is a good idea. You know, like there are <laughs> right. certain movies where like you first hear about them, you're like, this will probably be good. This could be good. No yeah. one ever said that about Cats. Right. Um, yeah. Bobby, you are the producer of the film podcast, The Big Picture on The Ringer. Do you have thoughts on this Cats uh, discourse now? I'm just glad that Jason Derulo is bringing it back. I feel like that's the <laughs> that's the last box that needs to be checked for quarantine. Bring cat discourse back to Twitter. It can have a second life I, or maybe third or fourth life. after. Didn't it feel kind of pure to talk about cats again? There's it so did. many big things in the world. It felt nice <laughs> to just bash on cats collectively. That is true, actually. That was a unifying time. Pure. You're sure. Right. <laughs> um, okay, next one. <laughs> Again, sorry, this is pretty random, but Dennis Quaid has adopted a cat named Dennis Quaid. And while wow. you look at that headline, you're like, all right, that's not that exciting or interesting to me, and I don't care. Let me prove you wrong. So he adopted an a, a already named Dennis Quaid cat from the, mm. the Lynchburg Humane Society. And he said, I'm out to save all the Dennis Quaids of the world. And then it wow. gives a lot of info about this cat. Kate, you have one. Maybe you can advise. It's six years old, weighs 13.81 pounds, and costs him $79. And then I keep reading. I don't know why, but it, I discover that he has a pet podcast um, called The Pet Show, which I don't know if you guys remember, longtime listeners will know our obsession with Katherine Schwarzenegger's pet podcast, The Dog That Changed My Life. And now I'll have a new obsession with Dennis Quaid's pet podcast. Wow. You have to listen now and report back. Perhaps. Get on Perhaps. it. You're the one who put this in the outline. <laughs> Kate, do you think you'd ever adopt a name? If it was the perfect cat, would you adopt a cat named Kate? I would adopt a cat named Kate Hallowell. If it was like a cat that someone, like a loyal Tea Time listener, yeah. got a cat and was like, I'm going to name this Kate Hallowell. First of all, that would be a terrible choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they were like, this cat is up for adoption. Kate, will you adopt it? I would Yeah, I would probably adopt it. You know what's weird about cats, though? Not to um, digress, but you don't really call them by their names, do you? Like a dog. You're like, oh, here, come here, come here. But I then think you do, but they don't know it for the most oh, part. You know, like we try, but they just ignore us. All right, we'll see. Um, all right, next all piece right. of news. We really derailed us with lots of cats content. There. I know, sorry. Um, okay, this week in social media, and really like this month in social media, if you're on TikTok or Instagram or Twitter, mostly TikTok, you've probably seen the viral strawberry dress, uh, which is just this very mysterious trend uh, where influencers have just seized on this dress that everyone thinks is like so beautiful. So like whimsical, it's like the magic pixie dream girl of dresses. Uh, and it's this like sort of bubblegum pink, fluffy $490 tea dress by Lyrica Matashi. And it has glittery red strawberries all over it. And I, I guess it just started by influencers being like, I love this dress. I need this dress couple times like people on TikTok like funded people to get the dress and then they did photo shoots in the dress and now it's just this whole thing. Wow. I don't get it. I think it's just like a cottage core trend where like people aren't dressing up right now and so mm-hmm. they really fixated on this particular dress. But if you've seen the dress going around then uh now you know what it is. Mm-hmm. I d- I don't know why I, it's not something that I would ever wear, but maybe <laughs> that's the beauty of it is that like it's just very like whimsical and impractical. <laughs> hmm. I'm surprised that Taylor Swift hasn't hopped on this trend yet, you know? 
it I feel is like true. It's is, very like lover chic. Right. Yeah, right up is. her alley. It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, like you yeah. said, manic pixie dream girl. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, her thing, I guess. Um, also on the fashion front, <laughs> apparently uh, people are buying fish flip flops or fish flops. Um, yes, they're they're literally fish shaped flip flops. And that's it. That is the story that I'm clicking, I don't, I'm clicking into this link for the first time and I absolutely hate you. I can't believe what my <laughs> my fucking eyes are witnessing right now. Yeah, it, it's more like I feel like you have to describe the fact it looks like your foot is inside the fish. <laughs> right. And your yes. toes are coming out of are the fish's peeking mouth. out of the mouth. Yep. Yep. And they come in many different colors. We've got green. We've got hot pink. Um, so, you know, if you. You feel so inclined. We should tweet out this picture. I'm curious what you guys think about it because the gills are on the side, obviously, as a fish's body is. But that feels very impractical. And you also have the tail in the back of your heel, which feels like a tripping hazard. It feels like people will be stumbling all over your shoes. Also, this is a very specific nitpick. But in this Vice article, the picture of this fish flop, all the toes are horrible. They've got dirt underneath these nails. I don't know <laughs> what true. models they yeah. chose, but someone could have at least run a little something underneath yeah. these Just feet. wash your yeah. feet before you have a feet photo <laughs> shoot. Oh my God. It's yeah. Yeah. Okay, a lot got- okay, sorry, sorry. Okay, fine. We, we gotta move, move on. on. <laughs> fine, fine. Last one. Last one. We probably should have put this up top with the relationship news, but over the past several weeks, I've been investigating the fact that newly single Cara Delevingne, who broke up with Ashley Benson mid-quarantine, uh, has been hanging out a lot with two of Pete Davidson's most recent exes, namely Kaya Gerber, who she went to protest with. She's been friends with for a long time, but has been publicly hanging out with a lot. And then more recently, Margaret Qualley, who has been all over her social media. She's been all over hers. Now, initially, Kaya and Kara were having a lot of relationship rumors, but then Margaret entered the picture and people were like, mm-hmm. okay, they're all just friends. However, tea time, as you know, is constantly on Thrupple Watch. Uh, <laughs> so I did some investigating. It was actually very helpful because uh, yesterday was Cara Delevingne's birthday. Oh. And I was like, birthday posts say a lot about a relationship. Um, now, I think this actually had more to do with their social media savvy because Kaya Gerber only put Instagram stories, did like mm. the several Instagram stories in a row where it's like you have a whole sentence about your friend and it's like split up, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of the thing to do. And then Margaret Qualley did Instagram stories and a post on the grid. Ooh, but I wow. think Margaret Qualley just like doesn't quite know what she's doing on Instagram. So I think that was maybe sure. it. Um, yes. But it turns out <laughs> that Kaya and Kara have matching tattoos on their foot. This is soulmate, but the soul is spelled like a foot. Right. Um, Margaret has been all over Kara's Instagram as well. I just, <laughs> I'm just keeping an eye on it, you know? Yeah, Kate, what, I think, what's the truth? What do you think? I think the same qualities that attracted these women to Pete Davidson could be attracting these women to Kara Delevingne. She looks mildly ill. She's <laughs> a little dirty. She's like kind of grimy hot, you know? Yeah, Wears a lot of like hats, tank yeah. tops uh, and tie dye. Okay, and so yeah. I just feel like the core, the core appeal carries over. Sure. Uh, so I'm I'm keeping an eye on it. Yeah, this is fascinating. Keep us posted, please. Thank Kate. you. You know I will. <laughs> okay, next category. Let's do it. Uh, we are continuing the search for the worst Nicholas Sparks movie, and by God, we might have fucking found it. No, we didn't. <laughs> we are covering Safe Haven, the 2013 <laughs> film with Josh Duhamel and Julianne Hough. I've never seen it before. Have you guys? Was this yeah. your no. first time? Okay. Uh, Kate, do you want to give us the one to two sentence recap of what this movie's about? I would love to. So 
Julianne Huff is on the run. She's being tracked down by a detective. We don't know why. She she gets on a, a bus. She chops her hair off, not on the bus, before the bus. <laughs> and she ends up in this small beachside town where she befriends a single dad, Josh Jamal, and his two kids. She's mm-hmm. hiding successfully. She's happy. They start a relationship. However, this detective ends up finding her. Turns out the detective is her abusive ex-husband who has been abusing his position in the police department to find her. He's also an alcoholic. He's just constantly drunk. And then the best plot twist of all, which we will get into in detail. Spoiler alert. Turns out that the woman that Julianne has befriended in this town that's been giving her advice throughout the whole movie is the ghost of Josh Jamel's dead wife. And we find out in the last three minutes of the movie, and it really just elevates this from boring, (laughs) forgettable Nicholas Sparks to iconically bad. This is a fucking unreal movie. I will talk about all the different plot twists. I was, it was a real roller coaster, honestly, for me. (laughs) It is. Um, okay, so we'll start with the highlights because there are some. We should start positive. Because it's not fun to bash on a movie completely, but I do have a lot right. of problems with it. So let's start with the highlights. Uh, Kate, you go first. <laughs> well, it's in a very pretty town. And I just think that a beachside setting really elevates like the worst of movies. You could, this like this movie's plot is not great. The romance is not great, but it's on the beach. So actually True. it's fine. Yeah. You know? It's like a small, cute southern town. There's a lot of nice little elements to it. Like they're fishing at the shore. They're this barbecue cookout with live music. Everyone's dancing. There's fireworks, etc. It's like a cute, nice setting for a nice romance movie. Yeah. Um, and that's a that's a highlight for sure. <laughs> um, Amelia, you got one? Sorry. Yes. Um, I thought the little girl who plays uh, Josh Dumel's, um daughter, I think her name was Lexi. Am mm-hmm. I okay? Yes, she. I thought she was a good actress, and she was cute. For sure, for so. sure. Good job, Lexi. <laughs> yeah, the the child actors in Nicholas Sparks movie are are quite talented. They're pretty good. I was yeah. shipping Jonah so hard in the last song. <laughs> this Lexi girl also pulled through. Congrats, um, Bobby. Not to put you on the spot, but I know you watch this movie as well. <laughs> Do you have a highlight to contribute? Uh, a highlight? Wow. See, I didn't really write down many highlights. <laughs> I felt like the wardrobe was really accurate to the town and the time period. You know, a lot <laughs> a of like note. really, a lot of like really mediocre plaid coming from Josh Dumel. <laughs> yeah. Fit kind of nice and loose, you know, a lot yeah. of baggy pants True. with flip flops. For which sure. is good for the boat, I guess. I don't for know. Sure. The wardrobe yeah. is accurate. I'll give that as a highlight. That is a good note. This is why you are um, a producer of a film podcast. My last highlight was Julianne's cute little Bob was just doing a lot of heavy lifting for her character. It felt like yeah. she even knew she was relying on her looks in this movie. And she's yes. like, she could, she just knows she's cute. She is. Um, she's a beautiful woman. But yeah, not a lot of acting skill there. Which brings us no. to our low lights. Um, Kate, you go first. <laughs> there are so many. Okay, these are just very random, very scattered. My first one is that Josh Jumel and Julian Huff have about a foot and a half of height between them, which is just impractical. I have a I have a lot of feelings about height differences in relationships. I decided on the hottest take, which has never actually aired. But in this <laughs> case, like you're you have to get them in the same shot. They're kissing, they're talking. He's too tall and she's too short. You have to cast people that are closer in height or else it's just, and this actually bothered me in the last song as well, but not quite to this degree. For some reason, it's just really awkward to me in this movie. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Also, not a lot of just in general, not a lot of chemistry between those two, I found. No, yeah, Um, no. 
it got lost in that in that foot of space. It just couldn't make the jump. It did. And especially Nicholas Sparks movies are so known for their beautiful, amazing romance, which we talked all about in the last two weeks. And it feels like this one kind of fell flat. Do you agree? Yes, I do agree. And I have to say there are a lot of things that they kind of tried to rip off from the notebook in this movie. (laughs) Um, A lot of like the plot twists kind of and like jumping around. Um, but there's one specific scene where literally they go canoeing as a date and it rains on them and they have to run from the rain. And I was like the most famous scene in any, in the most famous Nicholas Sparks movie. And you're like, oh, no one, not probably no one remembers that. Let's just do it again. Bring it back. Yeah. Uh, And it's just so disappointing. I'm like, you're, you're not Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams. This is not sexy or sad whatsoever. (laughs) And it was just really dumb. I'm like, there's any other setting for this date. They can be rained on anywhere. Agreed. I just agree. Especially we did have some creative dates that um, these couples have been on in these movies. It felt like this Mm -hmm. wasn't all that creative or interesting. Um, Amelia, what are some of your lowlights? Well, also another uh, them ripping off another movie. I'm going to say instead of watching this movie, just watch Sleeping with the Enemy with Julia Roberts instead. You know, it has, it's kind of the same angle. And I think it's a much better m- movie. So just, you know, if you want to save yourself a couple of hours. Yeah, perhaps. putting mm-hmm. it out there. Um, and then also I was I don't know why, but I was just very annoyed when Josh Dumel's character was like when we got pregnant. Like, uh, I'm sorry, did you carry a child, uh, two separate children actually, for nine months? Or was that your dead wife? Because I'm pretty sure it was your dead wife. Okay, yeah. so don't say common, we. It's a common phrase, but you're absolutely right. It's just, Thank you. He did no carrying of any sort. He did not None. get pregnant. <laughs> um, this is also a nitpick as well. And I don't know if you guys will agree. Probably not. Um, did you find the kids kind of be like sticklers about the whole situation. Like they were pretty nagging the whole yes. movie. There's several times like they're at the beach. It's really early on. Josh Jumel is innocently taking photos of the kids because it's a nice memory. And the son turns to him and is like, you're always on your phone. Why aren't you living in the moment? Like you're always taking photos. What are you doing that for? And I'm like, chill out, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, you're going to be old later and you're going to be like, wow, that's a fun memory. And then like he's, Josh Jumel's late one time coming home and like goes to tuck in the daughter. He's been the dad and the mom basically their whole lives. Yeah. And then the daughter's like, where were you? Like, I missed you, but like in a mean way. And it just felt like, just chill. Okay, know? also, and when the one, the kid, the guy, the boy falls and slips <laughs> And right. almost drowns, and his dad saves his life, and then he's like, "Get away from me!" Like, <laughs> he just saved your friggin' life. Yeah, seriously, kids are the worst. Rude. Rude. I have problems with their attitudes for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Um, very small note: her Julianne Hoff's alcoholic cop detective husband. I understand that he's on a, on the chase the whole movie, but he is far too sweaty this whole time. It's quite distracting. Stop putting him in Heather Gray polos if you're going to add a whole swath of back sweat. Distracting me. It's two-toned shirts now. His whole wardrobe. <laughs> That's very so distracting. <laughs> I, mean, I was really distracted by this too. As but a as a notoriously, sweat- right, as a notoriously yeah. sweaty person, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Honestly, I, he was not, he... Well, the fact that he was like an alcoholic, I feel like ramped it up, you know, and it's just like, 
you know, you're not really giving us sweaty people a good name when you're just <laughs> being really reckless with your sweatiness. Like wearing a gray shirt. No, if wear a white really, one, please. If he was a truly sweaty person, he would know not to wear a gray. <laughs> exactly. As he's and that's why I'm wearing a white shirt right now. Exactly. Thank and you. And he double layered it in multiple scenes. Yeah. He double layered he it. Was with that. Thank you. With a long sleeve shirt and thick jeans. It's like he came straight from Coles. Oh, he did not think that through. Also, he knew he was going into the belly of the beast at the very end of the movie in this like ginormous, very crowded fair. The amount of sweat he probably dripped on people is just irresponsible. You're right. Um, in our current era. Thank honestly. you. Lastly, very sorry, but some of the action scenes, it was good. The stakes were high at certain points. My heart rate did go up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But some of the action scenes are just bizarre. Do you remember? He's on the hunt for Julianne Huff. He's knocking door to door being like, have you seen this woman? He goes to this old woman's door who, you know, has been actually randomly covering for Julianne Huff. I can't remember their exact relationship, but she knows about Julianne and is trying to protect her. And then... The big scary guy who's supposed to be scary is like, I'm coming in there. You got to tell me info. And she's like, go get a warrant. And he's like, okay. And then he just turns around and walks away. It's like, what the fuck? This old woman literally just goes, you need a warrant. And his lying back is like, all right. And then he turns around. And then she peeks out the window. That's not a good bad guy move. The bad guy move is bust down that door, beat that woman to shreds and get the info he needs. You know? Wow. Honestly. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, let's do oh what's aged God. the best and the worst. Kate. Um, okay, first off, just a lot of like MAGA vibes in in this town. I just maybe it's just the fact that I associate like First of all, this is just like the whitest movie I've ever seen, which we already <laughs> acknowledged is just Nicholas Sparks' thing. Uh, and obviously, we wish it wasn't, but it is. Uh, but it's just a southern town. They're having like this like America parade. And it's just like, I'm just looking at the crowd. I'm like, every single person here voted for Trump. So that was tough. <laughs> um, but it's a very anti-cop movie, you know? Can't trust them. That badge cannot, cannot get you everywhere. Uh, so that, you know, kind of aged well. Yeah, that's good. Good for you, safe haven. Uh, (laughs) What's your input here? Oh my God. Okay, well, I just like, I'm not a Julianne Huff fan. I think I've said this several times. That's all I'm going to say. I just don't like her. But also, I don't like her as an actress too. So not only as a person, (laughs) but also as an actress. Her dramatic, heavy breathing is one of the most annoying sounds I've ever heard in my life. It's like she yes. has never breathed before. And I don't I don't know. She was just really overdramatic. And apparently, Kira Knightley was originally cast in this role. So damn it, why couldn't have we gotten Kira? Yeah, I actually have a lot of I'll I'll move this up. I had this as my MVP pick, but the casting director just absolutely just oh. bombed this. Oh <laughs> the my cast God. in this movie is so bad. There's no one good. And the movie itself wouldn't be that bad. Like if Kira Knightley was in it. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, a, a male actor that I actually liked. This movie would be fine. It could even be, like, one of those just, like, cult favorites where you know it's bad, but, like, you like to watch it. But yeah. Julianne Huff, first of all, uh, she has no lines in this movie. She, like, barely talks. All she does is, like, look at people and, like, look scared. It's and the then she, Bob. Like, she, the Bob does the <laughs> acting for her. That is so does. true. And I genuinely think that they, like, gave her the role and then they rewrote it so that she would talk as little as possible because <laughs> everyone else talks and she responds and then everyone else talks and, like, she's also standing there. Even yeah. Kobe Smolders talks more than her. 
It that is so true. I have problems with that, but we can talk about that in our MVP section. Yeah, I do think Josh Jamel of a certain era was was the guy to cast and was the the pick for a lot of people. He's he had that rom com run for a little bit. I don't mind him actually, but Julian Huff absolutely was the wrong was the wrong pick for mm-hmm. sure. Um, Karen okay, Knightley so like, and Karen Knightley and Josh Jamel are like the weird. That would have been kind of weird. That definitely would have been a little weird. <laughs> Actually, less of a height difference, though. So perhaps maybe that's true. Out. That's true. Okay, let's do our MVP. And Bobby, I'm going to give you some prep. Think about it now because I'm going to ask you. This I already too. have it. I'm ready. I've been thinking okay. about it. <laughs> so my MVP is Josh Jamel. Obviously, he's very cute, charming, whatever. He plays the role of the small town, you know, dad trying to keep it together well. But my also MVP is. Colby Smulders. I never know how to pronounce that name. Because when this movie was made, she was literally at the height of her How I Met Your Mother fame. And of all the roles that came across her agent's desk, her agent was like, play this weird ghost demon in this Nicholas Sparks movie (laughs) where you're just this side character who like doesn't have a lot uh, of depth, honestly, probably because she's a ghost demon. But like she doesn't have a lot of flavor in this role. I just think it was so disappointing. She could have done a lot better. She did eventually with Marvel, but... This was a mess for sure. Yes. Um, Amelia, who is your MVP? Oh, I'm going to say my MVP was my attention span because I actually watched this movie from start to finish. Wow. I know. I know. So congrats to myself. Are you saying that because you have not watched the other Nicholas Sparks movies no, we've reviewed just, from start to finish? <laughs> I'm just saying that I did not expect to watch this movie from start to finish, you know? And I was kind of like, oh, yikes. And I had the Wikipedia open and stuff. Wow. But yeah, but I... yeah, I have to tell you that I think you should be saving this MVP for future movies because this is, okay. I really think there are at least three movies I can think of that are worse than this one. <laughs> it can't be. Okay, Bobby, who is your MVP <laughs> of Safe Haven? My MVP is the real estate agent who gives her the house apparently <laughs> with no down payment and no money, no real name, no proof of who she is, no credit score, nothing. She just gives her the house. It's just a scene where the camera pans backward in the middle of a fucking forest and she's like, I'll take it. Like, as if it's like a t-shirt. It's a house. The, the real estate agent knows it's faulty. She takes uh, one step in the wrong direction and half of her oh fucking God. calf is in the ground. So she You knows. can't buy, like... But, like, you can't buy a piece of land. It, like, no matter if the house is faulty or not, you can't just buy a piece of land without giving your real name or credit also, score. I think it's dicks, maybe. It's literally with cash. Doesn't she just have cash? <laughs> Does yes. she even have cash? She sleeps on the beach the first night she gets there. <laughs> These are great questions. First 20 minutes are a bizarre. Part. How much does this waiter job pay? <laughs> exactly. True. true she very was not true. convincing in that role. I also didn't, I don't know, I didn't buy into a lot of aspects of this movie. Um, okay, let's do our lightning round. Kate, take it away. This is your corner. Thank you. All right, lightning round. Did you cry? Amelia? Yes, tears of happiness when I finished it. <laughs> no, I didn't cry. I did not cry, Liz. Certainly not. Bob? No. I'll save my tears for other Nicholas Sparks movies. Exactly. You got it. You got to ration them. Okay. Did they say I love you too fast? Yes or no? Josh Jamel says it uh, when she's going to like leave town after he finds out that she's wanted. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. They always say it too fast. (laughs) This one, again, fell flat. I didn't even believe it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. And she never says it. I don't think she ever really says it back, which is like tough tough for for Josh. Um, Okay. The B plot. Is it fire? Uh, we're actually in agreement on this. Pretty good. 
Yes, I agree. However, there's also like a literal fire C plot at there the very end. Which there is, is really another cool. fire C plot. Love a fire plot in a Nicholas Sparks movie. Yeah, yeah. but the, the thriller stuff, pretty good. I saw this movie in theaters and the fire, the, the actual fire C plot was literally the only thing I remembered from it. <laughs> I can't believe of the four people on this podcast right now, I'm the only person who saw it in theaters. Bobby, I that's know. why we like That's why we let you talk, Bobby. <laughs> Even though you're a man. Okay. You're a true fan. Uh, we have to talk. Actually, I wanted to ask Bobby because he saw this in theaters. Uh, I want to talk about the most insane three minutes in any Nicholas Sparks movie, which is the very last three minutes of this movie in which you find out that Kobe Smulders has been dead the whole time. Uh, uh, starting from the you- dream sequence when she just <laughs> yeah. stares straight at her eyes and kind of hauntingly is like, he's here. <laughs> right. Yes. And I'm just like, oh my God. Okay, so the last the last three minutes he gives... Uh, we keep calling her Julianne because she has two names in this movie. He gives Julianne a letter from his dead wife that just says to her, which is weird. It's weird if your dead wife writes a letter for the woman that you yes. eventually marry. That's very strange to me. Um, and then we find out there's a picture of her and we find out that it was Kobe. Bobby, do you remember the reaction in theaters to this or do you only remember the fire? I think there was only like seven people in theaters, so I don't think I had a real <laughs> gauge on the reaction. I think I saw it on like a Saturday, like matinee. Weird time to see this movie. Bobby, what the hell were you doing in 2013? I, I was on like- a, I was Go on ahead. a date. I was on a date. Oh, sure. excuse me. Okay. It's like a, it's, you know, it's a date movie. It's the latest Nicholas Sparks movie. Um, yeah. I don't know what the action, what the reaction in theaters was, but I actually feel like this three minutes is the only effective three minutes of the movie because they've already given you a plot twist, so you don't expect a second plot twist. True. Like okay. the only, movie yeah. making wise, it's the only effective choice that they made because you wouldn't <laughs> have even thought about. How I Met Your Mother woman for any other reason. She's just like that person, you know? It's so effective. They made her such a normal, mundane character. I'm not sure if it even really hit me. I was like, say, and then she she kind of disappears. Like they do this weird special effect to show that she's this ghost (laughs) character. And she was just such a normal person in the movie. You're kind of like, what? Like normally those characters in movies are like very wise or have this kind of presence, this like otherworldly space in the movie. But she just doesn't. She's like the random neighbor who's like, yeah, I don't know. He's like kind of cute. It just didn't It didn't make <laughs> sense. He should have added more like depth and kind of like an erythrial right. effect to Colby. But she just, you're just there. She was just yeah, there. On that note, I want to ask, uh, what is she in this movie? Is she an angel? It's not that spiritual of a movie. It's not like a walk to remember where they're quoting the Bible all the time. So I kind of think she's a ghost, but that seems a little too evil. (laughs) Thoughts? I I got guardian angel (laughs) vibes. Guardian angel. Yeah. For the family, the kids. Okay. Yeah, she doesn't Josh. have that quality. She's in like a button up and cargo shorts. Like I need her to be some kind of, I needed her to be, I don't know. I don't know. Some different. She's yeah. bringing sitcom energy to the movie. You're you're yes, carrying too wow. much baggage with her. Yeah. Amelia, I'm loving your theory about what, what she is. I think she's a figment of Julianne Huff's imagination after attending one of her um, exorcism healing practices. Do you remember that video? I do. Of from Goop. Our Goop yeah, era. Exactly. I think it's one of those things. That seems like the, the most most uh, relatable theory. Yeah. Um, okay. Is this the worst Nicholas Sparks movie? I hope. I, this, I haven't seen many. I haven't actually seen any more besides just the notebook. So I hope this is as bad as it gets. <laughs> it's not. It's really not. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, we didn't. This one's the worst we've watched for the purposes of this podcast. But I think there. I can think of several that are worse. Guys, which one should we watch next? 
Any, um, any? Amelia, any what's thoughts? in our DMs? What are people saying? As people, in, maybe like dear, dear John. You know, uh, no. Well, yes. We, I mean, we can not to be like, no, we can't. Um, <laughs> people are saying the Zac Efron one. Oh, that came before What's this that? one. That could be good. The lucky That's the one? other one I saw in theaters. <laughs> Bobby! Kaya, guess what? You're taking another week's vacation. Bobby, you're invited back here this Bobby, time you can week. come back. <laughs> All right, we'll do the Zac Efron oh, one. That's a good pick. God. Okay, yeah, you guys watch it first so that you can partake in this stuff with us. This episode is brought to you by VH1's new series, RuPaul's Drag Race, Vegas Review. In this new reality series, RuPaul is opening a live Las Vegas residency and has invited six of the most legendary queens in drag race history to put on the most sensational show of all time. See what it's really like to go behind the queens and follow their Vegas journey. As the pressure builds, relationships are pushed to the brink. And with Ru as their boss, the stakes have never been higher. From love affairs that will make you gag to all-out backstage catfights that will leave you shook. Witness Drag Race favorites Vanessa Vanjie Mateo, Evie Oddly, Naomi Smalls, Cameron Michaels, Asia O'Hara, and Derek Barry as they try to work together. Will they be able to slay the odds? With these Drag Race superstars, one thing's for sure. You can always bet on the queens to showcase their charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Don't miss RuPaul's Drag Race Vegas Review new series premieres Friday, August 21st, 8, 7 central, only on VH1. This episode of Tea Time is brought to you by Blue Apron. Home cooking matters now more than ever. Blue Apron takes the guesswork out of dinner, and we mean more than just deciding what to eat. You can know your ingredients are being prepared and packaged with the highest attention to quality and safety. And with their commitment to transparency and reducing waste, Blue Apron has your back in more ways than one. You can feel good about your food and your environmental impacts with Blue Apron, the first meal kit to partner with How To Recycle, which is committed to transparency and reducing waste. Over 85% of Blue Apron packaging is recyclable, and 41% of their packaging materials are made from recycled content. They're also the first meal kit company to transition to drain-safe, fully recyclable ice packs. Feel good about your choices and create delicious meals at home with Blue Apron. Prices start as low as $7.49 per serving. Don't sacrifice flavor. Don't settle for boring meals. Find comfort in the kitchen with Blue Apron and enjoy delicious home-cooked meals. Check out this week's menu and get $30 off your first two deliveries when you visit blueapron.com slash tea time. That's blueapron.com slash tea time. Blue Apron, feed your soul. All right, let's move on. Last category, tea time's unanswerable questions. Um... Let's do Amelia first. Go ahead. Okay. So page six, they, I guess, were like, hey, there's a stylist named Tamaran. And she is on her TikTok page and she's dishing on the best celebrities she's worked with and the worst. And in one of the videos, she talks about uh, Jessica Alba of, you know, the Honest Company. So this is what she said about Jessica Alba. She loves to rub hummus on her dress, play mind games with you. And she does this thing where she talks to you while not talking to you. I don't what does she does Jessica Alba have hummus just like with her all the time? And why is she spreading it on these dresses? I'm so I have so many questions about Jessica Alba and her hummus of all things. 
it feels what? like a weird texture and con- or and like side to pick. Like you, like yes. mayo, I would understand probably easier to get out. But hummus is such a specific. That seems very hard and very easily stained. I this felt so bizarre. I can't believe it's true, but so much of Hollywood is like this that like I guess I can. But just Galba seemed like one of the normal ones, right? Does it mean? Uh, first of all, I'm I was less concerned by the hummus because I thought that just meant like she eats a lot of hummus and she always oh, okay. gets it on her dresses. So, like that was annoying to the stylist. I want to talk about how she's talking to you when she's not talking to you. What does that mean? <laughs> how does one do that? Like what? I don't understand how how that's done. Yeah, I have no clue. I can't. I kind of can't believe it. Maybe it's one of those things where like this is a stylist, right? So like just yeah. Alba has something on and then. That she's looking in the mirror and saying things. Maybe oh. it looks like to herself, but she's speaking to you. I, there's probably a lot of people in the room too, everywhere True. she goes. So maybe mm. you don't know who she's addressing. I have no idea. It's just weird. Just Bizarre. Weird stuff. Um, speaking of weird celeb behavior, Katy Perry was profiled in the LA Times, um, I think just today. And I don't want to pay a lot of attention to Katy Perry. She says a lot of stupid shit about Ellen DeGeneres um, and a lot of other things. But one tidbit that I did take away from it is she was talking about her partner, Orlando Bloom, slash uh, just fiance. I don't think they're married yet. Um, Anyway, so they split up for a time. I guess she was going through a lot personally. And then she said she wasn't ready for the growth that needed to happen in their relationship. And Orlando Bloom was willing to investigate his own darkness, she says, waking up mm. at 7 a.m. each day and chanting for an hour. So twofold here. One, I love that she notes 7 a.m. as if that's like an early time to wake up when in fact, like all of America gets up <laughs> that or even earlier to fucking go to their nine to five jobs and like work for a living. So she's like, it would have hit harder if she was like at four in the morning, he arises and chants <laughs> to the sun, blah, blah, blah. 7 a.m. is like average okay. everyone's up, especially Pacific time. Um, and then also, I'm just kind of curious about the nature of these chants. I'm sure there's a lot. It's rooted in whatever he's researched and like practiced. <laughs> but yeah. I just want to know what he's chanting, why, what, how that is effective to his day-to-day life and investigating his own darkness. Should we be chanting? I don't know. <laughs> I have I no answers know. for you. <laughs> I have a lot That's of questions. Question. Orlando Blue, like, what is he chanting? And for what? What does chanting do to the soul? I can't imagine it does much. Yeah. Bobby, do you have any answers here? (laughs) This is what I do before every podcast recording. And this is why you're so good at it. It warms up, warms up the vocal cords. Yes, exactly. Oh, goodness. Okay, let's do last question. Okay, we started with WAP. We're going to end with WAP. WAP is everything. Uh, I want to ask because WAP got a a censored version for the music video on YouTube Mm. uh, and a radio edit. And it makes no sense. The acronym WAP, WAP, does not match the radio edit. Yes, thank you. That's the worst part, if you ask me. I don't want to get into the specifics because the radio edit really also makes me very uncomfortable. But uh, it's so much worse than the regular version. Wait, what is the... I don't know about it. What is the radio edit? The radio edit is wet and gushy. Oh, yes. So first of all, it's (laughs) W-A-G. Yes, thank you. It's not a noun. So it doesn't make sense in the context of the song. They're like, yeah. get a bucket and a mop for this wet and gushy. That's not a noun. That's an right. adjective. Right. Wet and gushy what? You know? The writer side is coming up, but yeah. It really bugs me. So I wanted to, people were like, the radio edit is just awful. And it's funny because this music video is very explicit. And it's like, yeah. what, like what kids are watching this video that can't hear the words, you know? Right. 
True. So it's already thinking about the worst censored songs that mm. in not in history, but in recent history, the worst radio edits. Um, I just had like some very basic ones. I thought "Forget You," uh, CeeLo Green, Ooh, "Forget You" yes. from oh, yeah. "Fuck You" just ruins the whole vibe of the song. No one says "Forget You." Bobby provided a bunch of examples. If you want to talk about these, have at it. There are just a lot where like they just they just silence the words. So then like half the song is missing for the radio, which is just, just does not make sense at all. I can't in good faith tell anybody to go listen to My Name Is by Eminem in 2020. But like that is the iconic one where he says, I just drank a fifth of Kool-Aid. Dare me to drive. <laughs> and then obviously there's to the window, to the wall, till the sweat dropped down in the fall a notorious season where you don't sweat as much amelia can you come oh my god yes Yes, exactly oh my god yeah when they change the entire meaning it's just like just don't bother plus especially in 2020 like radio plays are important but not nearly as important as they used to be like people are streaming people are watching on youtube like you don't have to have a kids bop version of these songs for them to be successful i love the kids bop versions (laughs) because they're so funny know everything online anyway so true they're so going to find it. They're going to be like, mom, does, what does WAP stand for? Because I don't think it's G. Like, that yeah. doesn't match. <laughs> I'm true. sure some kid has asked that. And then, sure. you know, they found the video. <laughs> it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem necessary in 2020. This one almost reminds me more of like, of of movie dubs. Where you're like, mm. oh. snakes on a plane. I'm sick of these monkey flying snakes on this Monday <laughs> through Friday oh, yeah. plane. That's the energy here rather than like a radio edit. Right. Because it has to match like the mouth. Yeah, I guess that makes sense like for the music video. Maybe they could have done more if it wasn't for the video, which just makes no sense to me. Don't censor the video. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The kids are already far gone. Yeah, (laughs) they are. Okay, I like that we started and ended with this topic. You guys go listen and stream and watch the video and learn for yourself. Um, Yes. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Bobby, for filling in as a producer. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kate Hallowell. And I'm Amelia Wedemeyer.